Hello and welcome to this introductory episode of Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy, the podcast, where I explain how and why this podcast was born. My name is Milani Favort and this is my story. Hmm, what's going on here? My usually chatty gynecologist had suddenly gone quiet and was leaning closer to the ultrasound screen. I watched her face as she zoomed into the images. Do you have any pain? She asked. No, nothing, I said firmly, thinking that it would negate whatever she was seeing on the shadowy images of my organs. From the way her frown deepened, it was clearly not the answer she was hoping for. I need you to go up to the pathologist for a CA125 test, she said. Now? I asked. Yes. A weird kindness had crept into her voice. What are we testing for? I asked. Cancer, she replied, as I stared at her in disbelief. A CA125 test may be used to look for early signs of ovarian cancer, I read on my phone as I waited for the lift to arrive. The article went on to describe the five-year survival rates for ovarian cancer. It was shocking. I won't have cancer, I tried to console myself. I'm too healthy. However, by the time the lift doors had opened two floors up, my world had changed. The article I was planning to write seemed trite, and the domestic chores I had on my lists were forgotten. I might have cancer. I might have cancer, was all I could think. The next day, the results were back. The tumor markers were elevated. Ah, now don't start planning your funeral yet, a medical cousin said. It could just be a cyst, but they will have to do more tests. For the next week, I was on the roller coaster ride of medical diagnostics. I had no control or way of stopping it, and it was terrifying. At the CT scan, the radiologist kindly tried to distract me. It worked for a few minutes, but then she left the room and the terror returned as I held my breath while my body was pushed through the machine. The surgeon who ordered the CT scan called with some good and some bad news. There were no signs of any spreading, but there was a growth, and it was huge, much bigger than initially thought. It had to be removed. I was referred to another specialist. More ultrasounds followed. And this time the news was worse. I'm not sure, but I think there's a second tumor and I can also see some free-flowing fluid. We don't like to see that, he said as he pointed to the dark images on the ultrasound. You need to go and see a gynecological oncologist and it better be the best one in town. Sitting across from the doctor, I felt nauseous with panic. Things had now moved from I might have cancer to I most probably have cancer. I really want to live to see my grandchildren, was all I could think as I sobbed while driving home. The next day I saw the gynecological oncologist. Look, I'm usually very mind over matter, but I really feel like my dog when there's a thunderstorm, I say to him. I'm frantically trying to find a place to hide to make this go away, but everywhere I go it's still there. After another ultrasound he took my hand and pressed it next to my belly button. And there it was. The thing that had quietly grown in me during the last 12 months, because there had been no sign of any abnormality during my previous gynecological visit. The specialist gently explained my options, but also did not mince his words. The chance of the growth being cancerous was at least 70%. It had to come out, and soon. Two days later, he held my hand as the general anesthetic took effect, and 90 minutes later, he again squeezed my hand as he assured me that all had gone well. He had taken out the growth, all 9 centimeters in diameter and 200 grams of it. I was now also without a cervix, ovary, uterus and omentum. 
The final verdict on whether it was cancer would take a few days. Two days later, he called, and I could finally give the longest exhale in human history. The growth was rare, but totally benign. I would love to see my grandchildren, after all. It is now 18 months since a radical hysterectomy was performed on me. After three weeks, I was signed off by the surgeon. From a medical or surgical point of view, it was all over. <laughs> Except it wasn't. It had only really started. The recovery was messy, confusing and scary. I had not anticipated, nor was I warned about how exhausting and lengthy the physical recovery process would be. I was not prepared for the bloating, which lasted months. The painful bladder function, also months. The constipation, <laughs> luckily only a few days. The fact that some internal stitches might never dissolve, those painful pokes still are there. And that I would be out of breath and energy for months. I was also not prepared for the emotional roller coaster that followed the surgery, not only because of the hormonal changes, but also because I had to build a new relationship with myself and my body. And above all, it was lonely. So incredibly lonely. I was shocked how little information and support were available to women who have had hysterectomies. This despite the fact that globally millions of these procedures are done every year. It is estimated that in the United States 600,000 hysterectomies are performed every year and that at any given time there are at least 20 million women who have had the procedure. In India 700,000 women have this procedure every year and in the EU about 1.6 million. It is estimated that one out of every five women in the world would have had a hysterectomy by the age of 55. Yet, there is far too often a cloak of silence around this procedure. In the year following my surgery, I decided to write a book about my journey under the title Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy. I joined a few support groups online and it quickly became apparent that women were desperate for information about what was done to them and how to deal with the recovery process. So the idea of this podcast was born. Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy, the podcast is aimed at women who have either had a hysterectomy or is thinking of one. It is meant to break the cycle of silence and shame that women often experience around hysterectomies. It aims to inform and possibly also entertain. So please join me as I discuss with specialists and experts the confusing medical terminology, the physical and emotional recovery process, and when to seek help. We also ask where our pelvic floors went and how to get our sexual grooves back. There is even an episode for the partners of the women and how to be supportive. In addition to the interviews with experts, I also include the stories of women from all over the world who have had hysterectomies because perhaps they are, after all, the true experts. In their own words, they talk about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs. Ultimately, this podcast is there for you to know that you are not alone. It is a way of holding your hand through your journey so that you can remain strong and brave, because surely all women deserve at least that. <laughs> <laughs>